We're starting a new series today uh, that's going to continue right through January, simply called RE. Simple name for a series, RE. You add the prefix RE to, uh, to any word and it simply means, you know, once again or a new or fresh, new again. So to be renewed is to be made new again, to be refreshed is to be, to be made fresh again. You know, to, uh, to be restored is to be brought back into original store condition, just like a new one. I believe as part of what, what God is wanting to do in our hearts and, and in our church over this year, when I came back from sabbatical at the end of uh, last year, I really felt just a simple word that God had given to us as a church is that he was saying to us, what, what is old and broken, I will make new again. What, what is old and broken, I will make new again. Because that's, that's what God is like. Our God is a, is a God who heals and restores what, it, what is old and broken. He, he is able to take, you know, what, it, what is old and is part of the old sinful nature in our lives and what has been broken by, by sin, both from, from ourselves and from others, has, has been broken inside us. He is able to make new. He's, he's a God of power. He's a God of transforming power who is able to heal and restore and to make new again. And this morning I want to talk about the way that God renews our mind. And this is really important because, you know, the way that we think will determine the way that we live. You know, what you believe will dictate how you behave. And so allowing God to renew our minds, to be brought back to the original condition, the original intention that he had for creation is really important. You know, there's, there's a mindset or there's patterns of thinking in our world today that are incredibly damaging. You know, if you think that one race of people in the world is inferior to you and the race that you belong to, then any hope that we have for world peace or, or any hope that we have for a, for a loving, welcoming, embracing community in, in our nation will be short-lived. It's a dangerous pattern of thinking, a damaging pattern of thinking. You know, if you think that your spouse is for one reason or another inferior to you, then any future hope of, of peace and happiness in your home in 2018 will be short-lived. It's a damaging pattern of thinking. And unfortunately, this next pattern of thinking is becoming increasingly rampant in our community and the consequences are, uh, are growing and expanding all the time. If you're actually looking at yourself and you're thinking, I'm inferior to others and, and I have no real hope for the future, then you'll be tempted to make your own life short-lived. Now, when we look at, at uh, those, those beliefs and those behaviours, I hope if you know anything about God, you can see really clearly that that's not the, God's way of thinking. 
that these are not the ways that he wants you to think. It's not the way that he thinks about you. God has a different way of thinking. Yet that way of thinking is part of the world that we live in. That's why in Romans chapter 12, you know, God says to us, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's good, pleasing and perfect will is. Let me just pull this verse apart a little bit. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now there's a diversity of thought in this world, in this room. But there's a, there's a pattern to our thinking. There's a diversity of thought. There's a bunch of people here that, that think it's better to only eat vegetables. There's a whole bunch of other people who think it's better to eat food that tastes good. You know, there's a whole bunch of people here, you know, who think that rap music is better than country and western music. And then there's a whole bunch of people that have taste. And uh, there's a diversity of thought, but there is a pattern of thinking in this world. And if I can narrow it down and try and simplify it as much as I can so that we can identify it when we see it and when we hear it, I'd say the pattern of thinking or the mindset, the mindset of this world is the more I get for me, the happier I will be. The more I get for me, the happier I will be. That is the pattern of thinking in our world. That is the mindset of our world. And so the mindset of our world about money is the more I get for me, the happier I will be. And so we see ads like this on social media which uh, tell us if we just have more money, let's get that up on the screen, if we just have more money, then this year more my dreams will come true for my life. If I have more money, I'll be more happy. I'll, I'll, have, I'll, have, I'll wear wider clothes and I'll have wider teeth. And, you know, there'll be big smiles and I'll live by the beach and all of my dreams will come true. Now, I'm not saying that making more money is a bad thing. We, we all need uh, money to live and to, to feed our, our families. And, and when we have more money, we, we can do more good. That's why we've had the incredible privilege over Christmas, as Derek said, of giving generously to build two hospitals in Africa where, where people that are, that are sick right now will find healing for their sicknesses for generations to come. I mean, that, that's a reason for joy. That's a good thing to do with our money. That's a good reason to have more money and to be able to, to give it away generously. But if you've got the mindset, if you've got the pattern of thinking that the more I have in my bank account, the happier I will be, you will never have enough. It's not a good pattern of thinking. It's not a good pattern to conform to. But that's the mindset of our world. If the mindset of our world about marriage is the more I get for me, the happier I will be. So the mindset is I've just got to find a partner or a spouse who will meet all of my needs in just the way I want them to. And if they don't, then I'll trade them in for a newer model who will hopefully meet more of my needs than the one did before. 
It's not a good pattern to conform to. You end up, you know, with headlines like this in uh, publications around the world. Kim and Chris split up after 72 days of marriage. And here's why. They couldn't agree on where to live. Her uh, show was filmed in LA and his basketball career was in Minnesota and neither of them were willing to sacrifice. Plus, this is serious, Kim said during an interview the reason she divorced Chris was intuition that it wasn't going to work. Plus, gets better, plus Chris forgot their one-month anniversary. Come on, put your hands up if you'd be in grave danger of divorce if that was a reason for divorce. You know, I'm glad I was preaching uh, this message this week because it's, uh, it's actually Susan and I's 24th wedding anniversary tomorrow. And this was, a good, this was a good little prompt. I thought, well, if you can get uh, busted for missing a one-month anniversary, I better do something for the 24th. So tomorrow I have organized dinner, movie, and a night away. Uh, just before you think, I'm the king of romance. I did say to Susan last night, I said, uh, you realize there's no presents. This is the present. <laughs> you didn't buy me a present, did you? I was very glad she hadn't. But uh, this is not a good mindset to conform to. We end up with broken families throughout our community and around our world. You know, the mindset of this world and in our community right now about mateship, about friendship, is the more I get for me, the happier I will be. I just got to find friends who can add something to my life, friends that can bless me, and if they can't, I'll reject them as friends. And if they do something to hurt me, then I'll get revenge on them. That is the mindset of this world, and it's creating a loneliness epidemic. Have a look at these stats from Lifeline uh, last year. Do you often feel lonely? Just cross-section of our community, all ages, 66%. I'm often feeling lonely. Next one. Do you think loneliness is increasing in our society? 82.5%. Lonely. There's lots of reasons for that. But if we live according to the mindset of the world, which says, you know, friendship is all about what I get, someone adding to my life, blessing my life, and if they don't, I'll reject them. If they hurt me, I'll get revenge on them. It's going to create a loneliness epidemic. And sadly, the mindset of this world that says the more I get for me, the happier I will be, is actually creeping into ministry in the church. The mindset that says, if I just make church all about me, I'll be happy. You know, as long as, long as church meets my needs and makes me happy, then I'll stay. If church is not making me happy and it's not meeting all of my needs after giving it a go for two weeks at the beginning of January, then I'm going to stay away. And if it sort of rolls into February and it starts to get in the way of some of my other goals and my other pursuits in life, then I'll give it away. It's not a good pattern to conform to, particularly, you know, when we look at ministry in the church because the church, the body of Christ, is supposed to represent Jesus in the world and there was not a selfish bone in his body. 
And if we are going to present Jesus to the world, we can't live according to the world's selfish mindset. Jesus, you know, was the one who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held onto tightly. But he made himself nothing. He was obedient to his Father and he made himself nothing. He became a man. He was actually obedient to death on a cross. And if you've got any, any good thing, any fellowship from, from knowing Jesus, anything good in your life, then do the same thing. If we are going to be a church that represents Jesus to the world, we can't live according to a selfish mindset that says, the more I get for me, the happier I will be. And so Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, be transformed. Now, deep down, we might not admit this to too many people, but we all know we need some transforming. There'll be some of you here this morning as you, as you begin a new year, there's some, there's some disappointments within you. Some of you will be disappointed as a parent. You, you'll be thinking, I'm disappointed that I'm not a more patient parent. Some, some of you here will be disappointed in your marriage and you're actually looking at yourself in moments of honesty and you're going, I'm disappointed that I'm not a more loving spouse. Now, others of you will be disappointed in your, uh, in your ministry that you have, you know, uh, in, in partnership with the Holy Spirit to be a blessing to others. And in your heart, you'd say, I really want to make a difference for God in this world. I, I don't want to just, you know, have, a, have another year where I just go through the motions. I actually want to step out in faith and make a difference for God in the world. And be some of you here this morning would say, I'm actually disappointed that I'm not making the difference that I am in ministry. You see, disappointment is actually a signpost for us. It's actually a signpost that we're not living according to the life that a God has appointed for us. That's what disappointment is. We're not living according to the life that God's actually appointed for us. Disappointment is a signpost that we want change. Now, this is the good news for all of us here who are looking at aspects of our lives, whether it's in, in, our, in our marriage, whether it's in our friendship, in our, in our financial situation or our, our ministry for God. Well, whatever it is, if you've got some disappointment inside you right now, the good news is change is possible. Transformation, radical transformation is possible. You know, change isn't easy. Change isn't an instant quick fix. And, 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 and change does not come cheap. But change is possible. Because God is a God of transformation. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know it's not easy to change your body shape or your bank account. You know it takes time, it takes discipline, it takes sacrifice. But when we want to see something change within us, you know that's really hard work. If you're looking at something, you're saying, you know, I want to see my impatience change. I want, I want to see 
my anger and resentment change. You know, I, I want to see my indifference or lack of faith change. You know, I, I want to see my, my bitterness and unforgiveness change. I want to see that addiction change. You know those changes are not easy. But with God, they are possible. You know, I was a bit of a Popeye fan when I was young. Hands up, any Popeye fans when they were younger. Six o'clock Saturday morning, Popeye was always uh, on the cartoons. I don't know why I liked him so much in retrospect. I mean, he lived on spinach and I hate spinach. I'm not one of those people that thinks you should only eat uh, vegetables. Amen. And uh, sad that's the only amen I got so far this morning. But, uh, you know... <laughs> I hate spinach. You know, he had these really weird arms. He had skinny little biceps, but massive big forceps. And I'm not sure how he managed that to happen. And he was always just beating people up. I think that's why I liked him as an eight-year-old boy. He was just beating the snot out of people Saturday morning after Saturday morning. And, you know, and uh, his girlfriend, Olive Oil, you know, I actually remember going to my mum when I was about eight years old and said, Mum, you're as pretty as olive oil. And uh, that, that's not a compliment. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why I love Popeye so much, but Popeye had a terrible attitude to change. In every episode, He'd say at some point after he'd beat people up or, you know, he wasn't, uh, he, uh, he just did things differently to other people and someone's having a go at him, he'd say, I am what I am and that's all that I am. I am what I am. This is the way I'll always be. I'll, I'll never change. I am what I am. It's fatalistic thinking. And you need to understand this morning that God, you know, he never looks at any of us and says that to us. He never looks at you and says, he is what he is and he'll never change. He never looks at you and says, she is what she is and she'll never change. God, God never sees you like that. You know, God is a God that can transform. You know, this word transformation it's the same word, same Greek word that we get our English word metamorphosis from. You know, it's the, it's the power to change from one thing to another. There's this word's actually only used three times in the New Testament. This is one of them in, in Romans chapter 12. It's the power to change from one thing to another. And if you're looking at an aspect of your life this morning and you're simply saying, I am what I am and that's always the way that I will be, you need to listen to the Word of God this morning. You need to take hold of the power of God through His Spirit. God's got to get you to think again. You need to think again this morning. And if you're looking at an ugly grub, like this, and thinking, man, that ugly thing could never become something beautiful. Well, think again. We have a God who is able to transform that ugly grub into a beautiful butterfly. That's what he's like. He transforms ugly things into beautiful things. If you're looking at this, uh, you know, weak, kind of little vulnerable swimmer, 
and, and you're thinking, man, that weak, vulnerable little thing could never become a mighty, invading army of strength, an unstoppable army of strength, then think again, because that's what this little sucker becomes. These cane toads that have only been in our nation for about 60 years start as those tiny, weak, vulnerable little swimmers, and they've turned into an invading army that are overtaking our nation. Now, I don't want to compare us to cane toads this morning, but if that is what God can do with a little swimmer and some frogs, what can he do with the church on fire? What can he do with a bunch of just weak, vulnerable people like you and me who put ourselves in God's hands and say, God, would you transform me by your power and your grace to go through this nation with your good news? God is a transforming God. He's a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all you've ever dreamed, asked, or imagined. Man, if you think, if you think that God, you know, can't turn, can't transform a young, angry, self-righteous bigot into a gracious, godly pastor who's transformed the world, then think again. Because the man who wrote this verse with such confidence, he knew that transforming power. Saul was that young, angry, self-righteous bigot who was going around imprisoning Christians and killing them. He hated Jesus. And then one day he met Jesus on the road and Jesus so transformed his life. He changed his name to Paul. He wrote half of the New Testament. He planted thousands of churches and millions of people have had their lives transformed by his writing for the last 2,000 years. That is the transforming power of Jesus. That is what happens when you encounter Jesus in your life. He transforms you. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, God doesn't give us his word to inform us. As important as information is and learning is, there's no entrance test when you get to heaven. You know, St. Peter's not going to be there and, and go, He'll tell me, what does Revelation 13 really mean? Nobody knows the answer to that. Oh, I mean, that, that is not going to be the question you get asked. When you get to heaven, as important as it is to understand what the Scriptures say, God is not interested in how much you know, but He's really interested in what you believe and how you behave. And God doesn't tell you, you know, to belong to a church and be committed to a local body of believers so that you'll conform to an outward, a different outward set of behaviours. He's got no interest in you literally pulling your socks up and putting on a cardigan and dressing appropriately for church. You know, he doesn't want you to come and find the biggest Bible you can on the shelf and come, you know, marching in and just sort of hoping that you'll fit in with the crowd and conform form you know if you do carry a big bible that's awesome but you don't have to it's not it's not the goal of discipleship is to see who can get the biggest
this Bible. You don't have to learn the right voice to read the Bible. Today's reading is from 2 Chronicles and chapter 3. You know, you don't have to, you know, talk in a different way. He's not interested in how you conform to a different set of principles. He doesn't care, you know, how quickly you learn to sit around in a life group during the week and as everyone prays, go, mmm, mmm, amen, mmm. Yeah, you know, it's really important to do that, but he's not. No, it's not. But he's uh, he's not interested in you conforming to a different outward set of behaviours. You see, the goal of discipleship, the goal of, of following Jesus, is is not is not information, and it's not conformation. It is transformation. He wants to transform you from the inside out. So that actually at a heart level and a mind level, you actually begin to think and feel like Jesus and so you desire to do the things of Jesus. That's the transformation. He wants to do in us, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He wants to renew our mind through his word. If you think that the more money you have for you, the happier you'll be, think again. Acts 20 verse 35, Jesus is quoted as as saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now the word blessed in, in the Good News translation and some others actually gets translated happy. I think that's probably narrowing the scope of the word blessed. But happy is part of blessedness. Knowing, knowing God's joy is part of God's blessedness. And, and, and Jesus is saying to us that the, the more you give, you're more blessed when you give than when you receive. You know, if you think that, uh, that in, in marriage, if you carry the mindset of the more you get for me, the happier you will be, you're going to miss out on what God has planned, originally designed from the Garden of Eden for your marriage. In Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for us. Now, this is the crazy bit, all right? This is the bit that just goes so against everything that we see and hear in the world. But it's true. If you get two radically different people, And men and women are radically different. You women come from a different planet. I'm sure of it. But when you get two different people coming together, but those two different people actually try to outdo each other in meeting one another's needs, in putting one another's needs first, that is where you'll have a happy marriage. The world doesn't get it. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us because he wants us to have a happy marriage. If you think in your friendships, the more I get for me, the happier I'll be. You know, Jesus, when he first starts teaching some of his upside-down teaching, he's turning the world upside down for people on the Sermon on the Mount. He says crazy things like you've heard, eye for an eye for a tooth for a tooth. But I'm telling you, bless your enemies. Actually give something away to your enemies. Make your enemies' lives good. And pray for those who persecute you. Don't just go looking for people who can bless you. You go and bless the very people that are trying to hurt you. It is completely upside down thinking to the mindset of this world. And if you think, if you think in ministry in the church, 
the more I get for me, the happier I will be. You've got to listen to Jesus' words in the Gospels. It says it many times in, in Mark 9. He says, you know, the greatest among you is the one who chooses to serve. He says, even the Son of Man, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Again, upside down thinking. What Jesus says, his mindset, the mind of Christ, is not the more you get for you, the happier you'll be, but the more you serve others, the more you forgive others, the more you lay down your life for others, the more you give to others, the happier you will be. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Jesus' teaching is an upside-down teaching. It is completely opposite to the pattern of this world. And it's ingrained in us, and the pattern of this world is ingrained in us from birth. Adam and Eve rejected God's word, rejected God's pattern in the beginning, and we've been doing the same thing ever since. Their sinfulness infected the human race, and we are born, we are born with this selfish pattern of thinking and and a tendency towards selfish behavior. And then we're bombarded with it every day through the world around us. It's a hard mindset to shake loose, and it's made a mess of this world. But God in his grace and his great love for us didn't leave us in a mess. But his plan was always to restore and to renew his sinful, broken creation. And so Jesus came as the second Adam. And where Adam failed and sinned, Jesus came as the, and, and, and failed the pattern that God had always intended. Jesus came as the second Adam, the perfect Adam that never failed, lived the perfect life, showed us all how to, how to live the perfect life, taught us how to live according to his pattern of thinking. Incredible teacher. But he was more than just a teacher. The second time this word transformed is used in, uh, in the, well, not the second, but the second time I'm going to talk about today, in the Gospels, is, is when Jesus takes three of his mates up a mountain and, and it says he's transfigured or transformed before them. And in that moment, they see that Jesus is not just a man with this radical new teaching. He's divine. He, he's actually the Son of God. And it's because he's both perfect man, the second Adam, and, and, and perfectly God, the Son of God in the flesh, that, that we can actually know his transforming power as ordinary people in our lives today. You see, a few months later, after he took his mates up that mountain, he walked up another mountain. Now, this time, his mates had deserted him, and he was carrying a cross that he did not deserve to bear. And he went to a cross that was always God's plan. It was always God's design to renew and restore his creation. On that cross, Jesus took all of your selfish behavior, took all of your sin, he took your sinful nature and he nailed it to a cross and he put it to death. 
but he's got such incredible power that that he, he was actually raised from the dead on the third day and he defeated the power of sin and death once and for all. And every person, every ordinary person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour can actually know that transforming power in our lives. You know, when we put our faith in Jesus, our sins are forgiven on the cross, but we receive the gift of the Spirit of God, which can transform us from the inside out, and we are given access to the mind of Christ, the very mind of Christ. But there's a deprogramming that needs to happen. You know, Paul talks about we, move, we shift from one world to another. We shift from the world of living according to our selfish nature to living according to the Spirit, the power of God's Spirit at work within us. But there's a deprogramming that needs to happen because our selfish nature is so ingrained in us and we're bombarded by it all the time. You know, my first car was a 1975 model combi. I love my combi. My world was in that combi. It was just full of camping gear, surfing gear, tools, you know, just anything I could fit in it. My whole world was in it as a, as a single man. And it is a back-the-front world driving a combi. If you've ever driven one, the indicators and the, and the wipers are on the opposite side. The gearbox is on a slant. I don't know why Germans can't make a straight gearbox, but it's on a slant. You've got to change gears you know, on a slant. The motor is in the back. Every other car's got it in the front. Mine caught on fire a couple of times in the back. It's got no water in it. It's a back-the-front kind of car. When you drive, it's pretty cool to drive around. I loved it. I loved living in combi world. You drive around, didn't matter where you went in Australia, every other combi driver would wave to you. It was just kind of, hey, dude. And uh, anyway, I had it when I was married. I drove my groomsmen to, uh, to, the, to our wedding in my combi. But a few years later, somehow we managed to start producing children. And Susan said, it's time for the combi to go. We've got to get a sensible car. I fought this for a long time. I loved living in combi world, but I had to move into Commodore world. And uh, it took a while for that transition to happen. You know, I tried cramming all my sporting gear and surfing gear and camping gear in the Commodore in the same way, but, but having kids means you've got to carry around so much crap with you, and it doesn't all fit. And, uh, you know, I'd be driving around, and I'd still try and, you know, drive with a slanted gearbox, but the Commodore was an automatic. I didn't need to change gears. And I'd always, my combi, I'd always park on a hill because it never started. I, I kept looking for hills to park the Commodore on. And, and the worst bit was I'd constantly drive around and I'd wave to all the other combi drivers like this, driving my red Commodore with car seats in the back. And they'd give me another form of sign language, like, who is this idiot? It took me a while to move from one world to another, but after about six months, I started living in Commodore world and all of my natural reactions became driving a boring old Commodore. It's a little bit like that when we ask Jesus into our lives. He comes in and he forgives our sin completely. We can come by his grace, we can come into the presence of God. But there's a deprogramming that needs to happen in our minds so that our natural reactions become more like Jesus 
and not like the world that we live in and our fallen nature that we're born with. That's why Paul is saying to the church in Rome and to the church in Gateway in Brisbane, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve what God's good, pleasing and perfect will is. And it takes time and it takes discipline and it takes some sacrifice. It's why every year at Gateway we have a Bible reading plan. Again, it's out in the foyer. You can pick up a paper copy. It's just a way of reading the Bible every day. You can jump online. You can download it on iTunes and Google Play and all sorts of other stuff. There's all sorts of ways you can engage with this. I don't really care how you engage with it. What I care about is that every day you sit in God's Word and you let him transform you by the renewing of your mind so that day by day you become more like Jesus and your natural reactions start to become more like Jesus. And let me tell you people, transformation is possible. It takes time. It takes discipline. It takes some sacrifice. If you want to transform your flabby body into a buff beach body this year, if that's one of your goals, you can't just go to the gym and just hang out with sweaty people and just hope that some of their sweat will rub off on you. And while that's happening, while you're just looking at the weights and they're lifting them, that somehow some of their physique is just going to rub off on you. I'd love it if that happened. I hate lifting weights, but it doesn't work. If you want to know, you want to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, you're going to actually have to take the time to listen to his voice, the discipline to get into his word, the sacrifice to let him transform you, to put to death your sinful nature and start to live according to the spirit. And day by day it will happen. The third place this word transformed is used in the New Testament is in 2 Corinthians. And uh, it says, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Day by day, ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. As you contemplate the power And the glory of God, little by little, every day, we're transformed into the likeness of Jesus. You know, I reckon, you know, God is is wanting to do some transformation in us. He's wanting to renew some, some things in us that have got old and broken. He wants to make them new again. If you're thinking that, you know, your marriage can be transformed just by one night of reading Song of Solomon together, you might be disappointed. Although it might help. If you think, if you think that your money situation can be transformed, you know, just by giving and saving according to God's word for one week, or maybe the first two weeks of January, you're going to be disappointed. If you think, if you think that, you know, somehow your ministry 
for God, whether out there in the world, in here in the church, is going to be transformed just by, you know, hanging out with some people that you see a powerful gift of God on, thinking hopefully somehow you're just going to catch it, you're going to be disappointed. You talk to anyone, I, I really believe that God is one of the things God is wanting to do in 2018 in our church is to give us a renewed confidence to minister in the supernatural power of God's Spirit. I really believe that. And we're going to have a bunch of series and things we do this year are going to be based around uh, that, that dream, that vision we've got in our heart. I tell you, you talk to, if you see someone, you know, whether it's a gift of teaching, a gift of miracles, a gift of healing, a gift of prophecy, or whatever it is, and you just see the power of God is on that person, you go and talk to that person, I guarantee they'll give glory to God, they'll talk about the gift of God on them, if you really dig into their story, I guarantee you'll also hear that it's taken some time, some discipline, and some sacrifice. Time of just listening to God, digging deep into His Word, being willing to put other agendas aside to know the power of God's Spirit flowing through them. It it will take some time, some discipline, some sacrifice. But if you're here and you're thinking, man, I could never minister like that. I, I could never minister in the, the power of God's Spirit. Think again. Some of you need to start thinking again. Jesus says, you know, you'll do even greater things than what you've seen me doing. He wasn't holding back anything of what he wants to do through his church in this day. And if you're thinking it's just going to come easy, think again. Jesus said, if you want to know that kind of life, you want to know real life, the life that, 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 that my Father originally appointed for you, you're going to have to lose your other life. You're going to have to put to death your sinful nature. It's going to take some sacrifice. You see, I believe there is a disappointment within some of us this morning. I believe God is showing you that disappointment not to, to take away your hope, not to make you feel hopeless, because he's, but he's, he's giving it to you as a signpost for change. Say, that's what I want to change in you. He's, he's never looking at you with a big stick going, I'm disappointed in you. He's looking at you going, oh, I want something more. To, that, that disappointment in you, just, just reach out to me. I want something more. Let, let me transform you by the renewing of your mind. That's what I'm like. That's what I want to do for you. There's some of you here, you started looking at your life like Popeye. And it might just be one aspect of your life. It's not like everything's a mess. But you're looking at one aspect of your life that, that doesn't seem to be changing. And you just go, oh, I am what I am. That's always what I am. It's all I'll ever be. Crap! That is not the voice of God. God is saying to you this morning, I can transform you by the renewing of your mind. Just because that's the way you've always been, it doesn't mean that's the way you always have to be. I'm a God who transforms. 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll know my good, pleasing and perfect will. Let me pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you're a God of hope. You're a God of grace. You're a God of life. God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you bring dead things to life. Thank you that you you make old things new. Thank you that you, you make broken things restored. God, would you just fill our hearts with faith this morning? God, fill our hearts with a faith and a belief that you can transform. Day by day, you can change us into the likeness of Jesus. God, would you just, would you just like, like a seed, put that faith in our hearts this morning and help us to take hold of it. The transformation is possible with you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's stand together. We're going to sing a song that's not really that old, but it's old because we haven't sung it for a long time. And it just starts with a prayer. It says, Lord, let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in you. We're going to sing this song as a prayer this morning. And if this morning you just say, you're looking at an aspect of your life and you're disappointed in it, But maybe in the past you've just given up. You said, that's just the way I am. If this morning God is speaking to you by His Spirit and He's just dropping some hope and faith in your heart, there's something in you that's going, oh, I've got to think again about this. God, God, I need you to transform me. We just love to pray for you this morning. I'm going to get a prayer team to come out the front, our pastoral team, as we sing this prayer. Make this a prayer of your heart. We'd love to pray for you. Hey, I believe God is taking old and broken things and making them new. There's some of you here this morning. I don't know who you are, but there's some of you here this morning and you're feeling inferior. You're feeling like I could never be one of those people who ministers in the supernatural power of God. That is not the voice of God this morning. God wants to heal you. He wants to renew you of that that spirit of inferiority, that thinking of inferiority. He wants to remind you that you're a son and a daughter of God and he loves to give good gifts to his kids. Whatever it is this morning, you just need saying to God, 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 would you transform me by the renewing of my mind? Whatever it is, just come. Let us pray for you this morning as we sing this prayer. Come on, just start coming now. You're going to get blessed this morning.